I am Joel. I'm the Connect Pastor. Glad you guys are here um, online campus. So glad you guys are joining us uh, right now in this moment. We are post Thanksgiving. I hope you guys had a wonderful time with family, completely drama free. I hope that it was a time away from work and good food and peace and prosperity. I hope all that stuff. And you know what? If you didn't experience all of that in great measure, I am really glad that you're here this morning or watching later. I'm really glad that you're part of this community um, because we just want to be here um, with you. We're, we're in the middle of leading the ones that you love series. And we took that break for the Contribute Sunday, which was awesome. And so as a reminder of what we've been talking about so far in leading the ones you love, we've been talking about a North Star, something that we are always pointing to. We, we're not just leading for the purpose of leading we're leading to something, or more appropriately, we're leading to someone, amen, right? Like, we, we have a direction. We're not, we're not just, like, throwing things at the wall and hoping for world peace. We're, we want to lead people to Jesus because he's ultimately the one that has all the answers. He's the one who will um, ha- and has saved us. He's, the, he's our example. So we've talked about that. We've talked about parenting, and we've We've, uh, we've gotten into um, stages of, of parent-child relationship. We've talked about disciplining, even in our most recent one that where Scott was, uh, was talking about some of that stuff. I'm sitting in the back, and I'm thinking, you know what? Scott's talking about, like, teaching and training our young people. I'm thinking, man, I'm really set in my ways as an older person. Like, I, I have a hard time um, changing and, and setting new habits and, and stuff like that. And I'm thinking— that's it. That's why, that's why it's so important for us to, uh, to train up our children when they're young. Like, like there's just something really unique about um, human development that, like, when you're young, you, that's when you need the best training. That's when you need the best modeling. That's when you need the most love and encouragement. Man, that, that really hit me. And, it, and so did this verse from Psalm 78. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. Amen? That's, that's good stuff right there. So we've been, we've been hitting on all of this stuff, and we're going to continue today um, talking about leading the ones that we love with our actions and our words, and just how important all that stuff. Our words are critical to maintaining and keeping and building relationships and our relationships, those are the keys to leadership. You need to have the, our, the relationship to be able to have that relational credit to lead someone, for someone to look up to you, for someone to say, yeah, that's, that's a person, that's an example of something that I can do. And so here's, here's a groundbreaking thing for you, though. I do not want anyone to check out and be like, well, on an organizational chart, I'm not over top of anybody. And I've already raised my kids, or I didn't have kids, and I don't want anyone to say, well, leading the ones I love is not really so much for me. This is for other people. It's not. If you are a follower of Jesus, you are a leader. And it's not always in the business sense. It's not, it doesn't even have to be a leader in the church. Because when Jesus set out his church, when he made his followers, the only thing he told them to go and do was what? Make more followers. 
And so even if you're a shy person, that's all right. Jesus, it it might look different for you than it does for me, but Jesus has given us the same instructions. They've remained the same for 2,000 years. He said, go and make more disciples of me. And so all of us who are trying to follow Jesus, even if it's your first day on the job, you want other people to follow your example. Why? Because you're just doing your best to try and follow his example. And so everyone who's a follower of Jesus is a leader. And so we want to be leading those people that we love. We want to be leading the people that are around us. And Paul puts it so simply. If you haven't memorized scripture for a while, I got a really easy six-word one for you right here. Paul just tells the church in Corinth, follow me as I follow Christ. Isn't that cool? He doesn't say, like, I'm going to be perfect at it. He just says, just come along with me. I'll give you a human example along with Jesus' perfect um, divine example. And follow me as I follow Christ. I was really thinking about this example stuff when, and in the advent of YouTube. How many of you guys in your life have used YouTube to try and help you solve a problem, research an issue, um, fix something around the house or in the car? Yeah. Yeah, and why do we do that? <laughs> yeah, they got everything on there. I, my parents bought me, when I, when I got my first house, they bought me this really thick, hardback, colored pictured book of home fixes. And, and it was probably right around the si- same time I started using YouTube, actually. Uh, but do you know how many times I've cracked that book open to try and fix something around my house? <laughs> yeah, I never have. Because there's something that's so much easier and, and, and something that I can watch and, and see. And, and I, I, must, I must have accessed, just for home and car repairs, just those two alone, probably a thousand YouTube videos over my life of seeing other people do it. And it's surprising how many things I'm and you are capable of doing when we just watch somebody else's example. Do you see where we're going with this, church? Are you with me? Like... Uh, people need examples to follow. They need followers of Jesus who even in their imperfect choices and chances that they are trying to follow Jesus. People need to be able to watch you do that. Your words and your actions, they matter because your words and your deeds, they mean everything to that example. Uh, in his book, Parenting, Andy Stanley, I really was taken aback when, when he said about words that you maybe have heard that um, actions speak louder than words. You guys heard this before? He said when it comes to relationship and leading the ones that you love, he said that um, oftentimes words speak louder than actions. And he, and he goes on to talk about how just with authority figures, when you're, when you're over top of someone, when, when you're a parent or something like that, your words play a very important part in that development of that relationship and in the development of that other person. <clears throat> because words weight, their, their weights are determined by your relationship. I mean, just think about it. Like, how important, one way or the other, good or bad, were your parents' words, were your grandparents' words to you? How relatively unimportant is the checkout lady at Kroger's words to you? Like, the words... Um, weight are determined by your relationship with, with somebody. So, so words are important. And not all words are the same, are they? 
right? Like, like words spoken in anger and in hatred, those, those words have the power to destroy people, to destroy relationships. relationships. They have the power to destroy careers. We've seen that with broadcasters or, or public figures who people have dredged up things in their past and, and they're like, oh, look at that in person. And now nobody you know, wants to follow them on Instagram. Your, your words, they matter. When words are, are powerful, they can, they can cost you influence. Negative words are oftentimes more powerful than positive words too. Maybe when you were a kid, um, and you insulted your brother or sister. Was, was anybody else like ever like told, now you have to go say six nice things to them? Was that ever used as like, you know, because I guess there was a theory that um, it takes six positive things to make up for a negative thing that's said. <laughs> I mean, even, I'm thinking about it though, in my life, like hurtful words, words that have struck a, a chord with me, um, words that like touched a nerve on something that I was already self-conscious about. You could, you could pay me a hundred compliments. I'm not going to forget that, right? Like, like negative words can be really powerful. And, 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 and we got to recognize this because our words, they create or destroy relational credit and relationships are the key to leadership. James recognized this problem when he was talking to his brothers and sisters in Christ in the early church in Jerusalem. And Eugene Peterson paraphrases this when he what, what James wrote by this, he says, a bit in the mouth of a horse can control the whole horse. Even a small rudder on a ship um, in the hands of a skilled captain sets a course in the face of the strongest winds. A word out of your mouth may seem of no account, but it can accomplish nearly anything or destroy it. It only takes a spark, remember, to set off a forest fire. A carelessly or wrongly placed word out of your mouth can do that. By our speech, we can ruin the world, turn harmony into chaos, throw mud on a reputation, send the whole world up in smoke, and go up in smoke with it. Smoke right from the pit of hell. Yeah, your words, aunts and uncles, and grandmas and grandpas, and moms and dads, and, and bosses, and stuff like that, your words, they are really important. Just... Think about, have you ever been, like, really, like, moved by somebody's words of encouragement to you? Like, somebody in that category, somebody, somebody who in authority or somebody who uh, maybe you weren't expecting to get a big compliment. Is there, is there one that still stands out to you after years? Some really big compliment or encouragement? When I was growing up, I had a pastor at our, at our church who was, um, who was really kind to me and mentored me some. His name was Brian Elliott, and um, when I got out into college, I came back one summer to, to help preach at the church for one day, and Brian's dad, Tim, was in the, the audience, and after the sermon, Tim Elliott comes up to me, and he grabs my hand, and he's really friendly, and he tells me, that was the best sermon I've ever heard. I'm like a 19-year-old kid who's preached like three times in his life. I've got like 12 college classes under my belt. It was not the best sermon he'd ever heard. I really don't think it was. His son was an incredible speaker, but Tim grabbed me and he made me believe he was being 100% serious. And even though I thought he was exaggerating, those words are powerful. That was 20 years ago, church, and I remember it like it was yesterday. 
like our words can, can accomplish nearly anything. Tim probably has no idea the, the words that he spoke to me on that day or remember them. And, and yet they had a ripple effect in my life. And you guys probably have some examples of that too. Like our words can be used to accomplish incredible things. They can be used to really encourage people or they can be used to tear people down. And, and here's, <clears throat> here, here's an idea that I hadn't really thought about much before, but when we're talking about our relationships with people, you got to remember that other people do not have the same relationship with you that you have with them. Same with your kids, uh, your nieces or your nephews. Just think about it. They don't have the same relationship with you that you have with them, and you could, all you have to do is look through uh, situations through their eyes and not your own. Like, when, when you are disciplining your kids, they, they look and they see an adult, an authority figure. You look down and you see, you know, kids that you're in charge of that you want to try and get to behave. You know, when you're, when you're talking to coworkers, maybe you're in charge of a project or something like that. You look at them and you see somebody that you need to get them to do work. They look at you and see somebody that they're, just, that they're trying to, to please and some, try, somebody that they're trying to appease and somebody that they're trying to communicate properly with so that they can do the right work. People don't have the same relationship with you that you have with them. And I, I forgot this um, really poor in a really bad way on uh, election day because um, my mom was coming to watch my girls and, because Melissa and I both worked and the girls were off school. And um, when my mom comes and watches our kids, um, it can be a bit of a rompous room <laughs> kind of situation. It's a grandma situation. It's fine. Um, it's what grandmas get to do. But as a parent, and I'm about ready to walk out the door, and I say goodbye to my girls, and I look, and there's already one of my seven-year-olds standing on top of the couch. I'm not talking saying on the couch. On top of the couch. And I forgot the, the, these, these principles for a brief second. It was not great. I just got big bulgy eyes and I stared at her and then I used some, some pretty direct and pretty harsh words to try and get her to, say, to understand she needed to behave the way she knew how to behave the whole rest of the day. I was trying to get that across in just one little parenting moment. And like I said, I forgot that she sees things differently than I see them. Because when I was staring at her with those big bulgy eyes, I was thinking, I want this kid to listen and to do the things that we've been talking about for the last seven years. But she was looking back at me, somebody who's bigger than her, a middle-aged man who she adores and she needs constant affirmation from, and she sees an authority figure who's angry and... Like I said, my words were just, they were just inappropriate. They were just too harsh. I didn't swear at her or anything. I, I just was too harsh with her. My tone was not appropriate for the dynamics of our relationship. And I could have accomplished my purposes a lot better if I had chosen better words and a better tone. Because you can destroy relational credit with your words. And relationships are the key to leadership. <clears throat> That's, I think this is why Paul speaks so directly to fathers and, and to the Ephesian church. He tells them, fathers, do not exacerbate your children, exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training 
and instruction in the Lord. Don't do this. Do this. Do this instead. Those are good words. So when it comes to our kids, man, we can wound them by the words that we say, right? Uh, We can also encourage them, and we can raise them up properly. We can also wound people, and especially people that we have authority over, by the words that we don't say. We can, we can hurt people by the things that we don't do, by the encouragement that we don't give, by the support that isn't braced. And I look out and I see a bunch of people who probably, throughout their life's development, could have used more of that. I was talking uh, with, with a friend just a couple weeks ago, and we were talking about this topic, so I wanted to quiz her, and I asked her if her parents were proud of her, or said that they were proud of her, and she chuckled at me. And it took me off, off guard, because I wasn't expecting it. I, I'm looking at a very normal, highly functional um, uh, woman, and, and she's got a nice family, and got a nice job, and, and I wondered, why were her parents not proud of her? And that's when I realized, okay, well, this this never makes sense. There's no, there's no good reason for it. That's why it's so hurtful. And then she went on to tell me about that dysfunctional childhood. And then she said something really, really powerful. She was talking about her own kids and how now her own kids interact some, but on a limited basis with her parents. And they have no idea of the dysfunction that she experienced. They won't know what it's like to grow up and their parents not be proud of them. And that was beautiful to hear. And not, not that it fixes her broken childhood, but it brings a wholeness there, uh, something full circle, because she's breaking the cycle. <clears throat> and that's where we get to like the hard ask here in this sermon of, about leading the ones that you love, because I, I know that plenty of you might get a little choked up when we talk about whether or not your parents told you or showed you that they loved you, about whether or not your parents um, supported you and gave you the encouragement, all of it that, that you felt like you needed, whether it came from your community, from your grandparents, from even from your workplace, you guys want coworkers who will set good examples that you can follow, even if you don't realize it or not. You want bosses who have integrity and character, don't we? You, you want pastors whose spiritual lives you can emulate. Like, that's, that's something that you deserve. And whether or not you get that or have gotten that, this is the difficult ask you got to break that cycle. Uh, even if you don't have all the YouTube videos to follow, you need to find a way to look to Jesus and break that cycle. The good news is that he has given us that perfect example. And even if your training was decent, we can always do better. Like We can make sure that the next generation that we're raising up has better because you are God's children whom, you lo- whom he loves. So try to be like him. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. Live a life of love just as Christ loved us 
and he gave himself up as a sweet-smelling offering and sacrifice to God. You were not left alone, even if it's felt like that at times in your life, even if your support systems have crumbled, you have always been a dearly loved child of God's. And you have the example of Jesus to follow. I'm sorry if you have not always had the right words and deeds modeled for you, but we have to break the cycles. And it very well may begin with you in your life and in your relationships, in your job, and in your house. It, it just has to. When I was thinking about these examples to follow and stuff like that, Samuel popped into my mind from the Old Testament. Do you remember the name Samuel? Have you heard of it? Like somebody described Samuel as Israel's last judge and first prophet. Um, Samuel was pretty prominent, and, and you can find a lot of this in 1 Samuel um, 2 and 3. But Samuel is the son of a woman named Hannah, and Hannah was so desperate to have kids because she, she hadn't had any, and she was, it was just difficult for her. She pledged to God, I will dedicate my son and give him to the temple if, if you let me have a child. <clears throat> she did, and she was good to her word. And so when he was a young boy, Samuel goes um, to the temple, and there's a priest there named Eli. And Eli is a great, becomes a great mentor um, to Samuel. Eli is already a priest for Israel, and they look to him as, as their leader. And the interesting thing about Eli is that Eli already has biological sons of his own. So what are they up to? Well, they've kind of gone the wrong path. <clears throat> Eli's sons um, are sleeping with women all around the temple. They are taking offerings that weren't meant for them and definitely, um, definitely not setting the right example for people in the positions of power that they had. But yet, Eli is still a good model for Samuel, and when Eli dies, Samuel takes over and takes on his mantle and is also a great leader and, and conduit for God uh, between the Israelites and, and, um, and the people and, and God. And so um, it's so interesting then that you find out here, this is all true in 1 Samuel 2 and 3, you find out that Samuel lives his whole life, um, is a leader for the people of Israel, and when Samuel's getting close to the end of his life, the people say to Samuel, hey, um, we kind of want a king. We want a king like everybody else around us. And Samuel's like, what? I've been such a good leader for you. Why, why, why are you insulting me by saying you want something else? And they're like, well, Samuel, um, look around. Like, your sons are just like Eli's. They are, I think the Bible describes them as scoundrels and wicked. And we don't want them as our leaders. And so Samuel um, speaks to God about it, and God says, you know what, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting me, and then that's when he anoints Saul, and then they get a king, and you know, there's more history to that. But I just find it so fascinating when we're talking about modeling that Eli was just like you and me. He had good parts to him and bad parts, and he passed along both, because Samuel was a great priest for the people of Israel, but Samuel's sons also somehow went wayward, and, um, and that's, that's the example that, that Samuel had to follow. People are looking for examples to follow, and it reminds me of that quote from James Baldwin that 
Children have never been very good at listening to their elders, but they have never failed to imitate them. We may not realize all the ways that people look to us or all the people who are looking at us, but it is immense, and people need a living YouTube video to follow. They, they just, we need it. We'll naturally look to it. And that's why our examples, the examples of our actions and our words are so important. James goes on to say, what good is it, brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can that kind of faith be, save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is that? Community Christian Church, you did something about that last week, and we want to keep doing that on a regular basis. In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, and I'll have deeds. But show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe there is a God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. If you're listening and you are not a follower of Jesus, there's a really good chance that the reason one of the biggest reasons why you're not trying to follow Jesus is because of the poor example of hypocritical Christians that you've seen, and you're like, nah, that's not real. That can't be real. That's not, that's not what I want to be like. And let me just say this. If, if you're not a follower of Jesus, if you're not trying to be, I understand that. But we're all only pointing to one example, and, and he will not let you down. He does have the way, the truth, and the life. And even if we fail to show that, it doesn't make it less true. So many of the people who are trying to follow Jesus are doing the best they can in the cycles that they're stuck in. If you have tried and are trying to follow Jesus, you should recognize I am a leader in the relationships that I, that I have right now. Just naturally. Everyone has relationships. Everyone has influence. And, and you should recognize that when we're talking about the leading the ones that you love, you've got to set an example in words and deeds. And you've got to be willing to be the one who breaks the cycles. Because you have someone to look for. Maybe part of your testimony is simply the fact that people see you trying like, trying is changing. If people at work notice that, hey, um, you know, you're, you're using less of those, um, you know, flowery words, <laughs> you know. It, I, I've noticed that because, and you just simply say, yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to follow Christ, and I would love for other people to follow along. It, people might just notice that, hey, you know, we used to take our breaks and, um, and, and, and shoot the breeze, but now you're reading your Bible and we don't really talk about the other co-workers behind their backs anymore. And you're like, yeah, well, that's, that's intentional. And, you know, it, if you're a parent right now taking care of a kid in any capacity, even if it's just a grandparent watching a grandkid once a month, you, you should know they are looking to you for an example. Whether you're willing to set one or not, you are. 
And, and they do this without you realizing it, and they do it without even them realizing it. My wife's a teacher, and she gets like, sometimes Christmas gifts and end-of-the-year gifts. And one time, she, uh, last year, she got a um, bottle of Mio water flavoring. That's a very specific flavor that you can't even find at all the stores. And she's like, I never talked about this before. Um, I didn't even drink it every single day. But it sat on her desk for a while, and the kids noticed that. And they, they, they decided that's what they should get her. People are watching you. They pick up on a lot more than we may give them credit for you. So watch your words and your deeds, and also watch and remember that they have a different relationship with you than you have with them, that they see this world, and they see you and their relationship to you in a different way that you see them, and they need constant reminders that they're secure and that they're cared for even in their mistakes. So please, please, please take this away too, that everyone who is following Jesus is a leader. It does not have to be in a business sense. It doesn't even have to be in the same sense that it looks like for other people. But look, if, if we're called to follow Jesus, we're called to do it in a way that helps others to follow him as well and not hinders them. You are called to follow Jesus and not just do that, but to do it in a way that helps other people follow behind you. Relationships are the key to this kind of leadership. So watch your words and your deeds in these relationships. Use them to build up and acquire relational credit. And don't, don't spend it or waste it needlessly. <clears throat> and when we continue in this Leading the Ones That You Love series, we're going to be talking about a relationship of all relationships next week and marriage. So, so keep that in mind, though. We want to lead others to Jesus because we believe that he's the one who has the answers, that he's the one who has all of the hope. We, we, don't, we don't have a monopoly on that. We are chasing the same thing that other, we want other people to do, that Jesus can and does save us. So let us follow Christ and help others follow us as we're doing it. God, we uh, just thank you for the chance that we get on a daily basis to, to live like you want. Like even when we mess up, we get more chances. You are a gracious and a good and a loving father. Even if we haven't experienced that here on this earth, God, we, we thank you for the example that you set by sending Jesus, that he didn't just come to free us and to save us from our sins, but he came to give us the way, to show us, and that you give us all that hope that, man, we can do this, and that we need to put our faith in you, God. We just thank you for that. We pray um, for the chances that we've squandered, and we just thank you for the opportunity for more, God, that all of us have relationships. All of those relationships can be used to build your kingdom, God. Will you help us in that as we go out of here, God? Help us to be your people, to build your church. And it's in your son's name that we pray.